Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions. Hey, Justin and Steve Christian from Long Beach. Calling on ticker symbol XLE. Wanted to get into the energy sector here and wanted to get a broad on diversification. And provides unbiased answers. The bigger question is, are there, are there better uh, specific names? But if you don't want to do the research, then this is a good way to get that broad diversification. Invest Talk, over 31 million downloads and counting. Looking to get into the cannabis industry and I know there's going to be some big winners in there, but I don't know enough about the company. Your participation makes it unique. 888-99-CHART. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everyone, and this is Invest Talk. I am Justin Klein, and this is our Tuesday, April 27th, 2021 edition of Invest Talk. Appreciate you all tuning in for this hour. And I am here, as always, with my mission statement, which is independent thinking and shared success. What that means is that whenever I'm talking about anything in the markets, a stock, a sector, a different asset class, uh, whether I'm talking about the current market conditions, market reports, uh, economic reports, whatever it is, I'm presenting this all without bias. I am here to give you the facts. So that's why I'm here. I'm here to serve you. So I'm Justin Klein, of course, I encourage you to contact us with your finance and investment questions. And when you do that, you get to shape the show to your liking. That means you can interact with us right now during our live stream program for 4 to 5 Pacific Time, or you can leave a question on our Anytime Voice Bank at 888-99-CHART. Either way, it's that same number. So let's get straight to our first caller question now. Hey, Justin and Steve, Christian from Long Beach. Calling on ticker symbol XLE. Wanted to get into the energy sector here and wanted to get a broad um, diversification I uh, just wanted to get you guys' insight and professional opinion on it. I'm looking to put it into my Roth IRA as a core holding and as a long-term play here. I um, always appreciate the podcast. Love it. You guys rock. Take care. All right, looking at XLE, which is the Energy Select Spiders ETF. And what you have to know about this name in particular is that it's very heavily weighted towards two names two of the biggest names in the energy world, and that would be Exxon and Chevron, both about roughly 22% of this overall uh, portfolio, overall, overall ETF. And the, sec- uh, sorry, the third highest holding would be about 5% in EOG resources. So you can see that large gap there. And so when you're buying this name, you are still getting broad diversification, but you're heavily weighted about 45% in those two particular names. So there's nothing wrong with that in, in general. They're, they're both solid companies, solid names. The bigger question is, are, the, are there better uh, specific names? But if you don't want to do the research, then this is a good way to get that broad diversification. You, not, you don't need to track it very much. Uh, you will have to understand that energy does have bigger than average volatility because they're at the whims of the ebbs and flows of supply demand dynamics within the energy space. So 
that's really uh, the most important part is understanding that risk factor with this particular slice of the market. And if you're using this in conjunction with uh, a broad diversified strategy, it's fine. Uh, make sure it's no more than probably 20% of your overall portfolio. 20 is on the high end, very high end. That means you'd have to be very, very bullish, very overweight that particular sector. So good vehicle, uh, but it is heavily weighted, and you have to be ready to handle the volatility that's naturally going to come from oil and natural gas stocks, which tend to be pretty volatile. Thanks for the call. 8899 chart, 8892-4278. Now, our main focus point today involves real estate investing and some of the top tips that are important in the real estate uh, investing game. And a lot of people get, I don't want to say duped because it's, it's not, not being duped. It's just fall, they fall in love with real estate and they fall in love with the idea of owning a lot of properties and utilizing the leverage and all these things that go into building or all the things that are a tailwind to building success in the real estate world. Now that has left a real estate domestic real estate market that's pretty crowded uh, when it comes to rentals, long-term rentals. And uh, the returns that you can get are often pretty low, especially in kind of your, your big markets, California, uh, Northeast, uh, the coasts uh, in general. And so it can still be, it'll be diff- it's, it can be difficult. Uh, and that comes to rule number one, which is not running the numbers and making sure that there is enough left over for a decent return on investment. I remember this back in the early 2000s, people were in before the real estate uh, bust back then, and it was all about uh, leverage and, oh, the, stock, the price is never going to go down, and it's all about price appreciation. Uh, but when it comes to investing in real estate, it's not about price appreciation. It's about cash flow. And if you aren't cash flowing positively, you need a very good story otherwise. Uh, So that's a good rule of thumb is to always be cash flow positive. Number two is falling in love with the property. You want to like it. You want to be confident in the, the strength of that property. But if the numbers don't work out, you don't buy the property. Third is not having a big enough reserve fund in case there's uh, mortgages you have to pay if the tenant doesn't pay, uh, cash flow for repairs, right? If you need to put in a new water heater, put in a new air air conditioning, whatever that is, you need to have money set aside, okay? Now, after the break, I'll get to a couple of more uh, that I think will be helpful as well. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. And with all the changes we see happening, it's important to remember that during these periods of uncertainty, you must keep focused on the task at hand, which is your end goal of financial freedom. And that's why I'm here to help you with that process. So we're taking your calls live at 888-99-CHART. At the start of each new day, we are presented with opportunities. But as you go about your daily routine, there's one task, one challenge you should not put off the need to plan for and work toward achieving financial freedom. That point in the future when your money, your assets are working for you while you work only if you want to. 
However, serious investors eventually recognize that unless they can afford to devote the time and efforts required to thoroughly understand market dynamics, expert guidance will be essential. The moment that spark of reality hits, you will want to consult with Steve Peasley and Justin Klein. The next highly beneficial step for your investing future can start when you reach out to Steve or Justin via Skype, a phone call, or a quick message through investtalk.com. The markets react to uncertainty. Are you prepared? Is your portfolio balanced? Is it optimized? Your financial future depends on the answers to those questions. Justin Klein is here now and ready to talk with you. Call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. Now, before the break, I went over a few key Rules of thumb when investing in real estate, the first is to make sure you run the numbers and make sure that you have a decent return. When I say decent return, it needs to be above the cost to borrow. Whatever that is in this current rate, you're probably on an investment property getting about 4%. So you need a, an after-cost yield, not just net, or not gross, but net yield of over 4%, at least 5 6% uh, in, in this market. Number two is not falling in love with the property and overpaying, so that's uh, pretty clear cut. And then to be able to have money left over for uh, potentially the, the tenant leaving and, or not paying and having that space empty, you need to account for at least one month per year where you are not getting rent and you have to pay the mortgage yourself. Okay, Make sure you're allowing for that. And then also repairs. The rule of thumb is 1% of the cost of the property in repairs annually. Now, that was years ago before prices kind of went so high like they are now. So that's probably closer to half a percent, but it also depends on the property. A $300,000 property that's brand new is going to be very different than $300,000 property that's 50 years old uh, when it comes to potential repairs. So make sure you count for that. If you're not accounting for potential repairs, you're not running the numbers right. Okay, And then there are a few other rules of them. The first is have exit strategies in case the market changes. Uh, be prepared. And I like duplexes, triplexes, things like that. Having multiple uh, cash flow streams, that's, that's always good. And then unusual properties. Don't buy unusual properties. That's usually the worst thing to do. Okay, Don't be buying things that are funky looking. Plain, vanilla, traditional, normal. That's what you want. Okay, And then... A lot of people try to get started with very little money. The problem is, once again, what happens, who's going to pay the mortgage if, you're, if you can't pay the rent or no one pays the rent? Excuse me. What about emergency repairs? Like I said, so make sure you always have that cash on hand. And then lastly, a lot of people go in with other people. And this, is, uh, this comes to partnerships in general of all types. But a lot of people go in with their friends, their family, and they want to buy properties together because they might not have enough money on their own. And there's, in theory, nothing wrong with that. But the issue comes when, what if one wants to sell? What happens in these various situations? You have to make sure you cover everything in a written agreement. And know the rules of the partnership before you enter into it. And that means getting into it during 
and the exit at the end of the partnership. All right. Let's head over to Walnut Creek and talk with Kyle. He's looking at HT, which is, let's see, pull this up here. Hey, Justin. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, no problem. Um, yeah, I'm in it. I've owned it for a little bit. I'm just trying to see, is this something to hang on to for the rest of the year? Maybe kind of like a bounce pack play. I'm just wondering your thoughts on it. Okay, so this is Hersha Hospitality. This is a REIT that owns and operates mid-scale limited service hotels in established markets. Okay, you owned it for a little while, and why did you buy it? Let's say that. Um, I think I initially bought it because it was a REIT and it was paying a nice dividend and COVID hit, it lost profitability. So I'm kind of hoping it bounces back to profitability and get some dividend back and catch some tailwinds with the reopening play. Okay, well, here's the issue. this They operate high-quality upscale hotels in urban gateway markets, areas like New York City, Boston, Washington, D.C., Philadelphia, Miami, L.A., and San Diego. Hmm. And in an environment where the average business traveler, a marginal business traveler is going away, uh, at least for the, the medium term, maybe long term. You know, we'll see how dynamics and, and, and trends change. But there, that is going to hurt the, the demand for these types of hotels. Uh, and so I think this is a name that you want to be exiting sooner rather than later. Uh, because I, I just don't see great tailwinds for this business, and there's likely to be oversupply in these types of hotels. So this is not where I'd want to be. I would be looking to exit this position on the next rally. You're starting to get that now. You get back up to 12, I'd definitely be out of this. Thanks for the call, Kyle. Let's head over to North Carolina. Talk to Owen. He wants to talk about farm stocks. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, oh, Northern California. Excuse me. Uh, yeah, I was wondering what you think about these three tickers, ABM, BG, or TSN, or if you think it would be best to invest in a foreign ETF like MOO, M-O-O. Okay, so you're looking at things like Tyson Foods. Uh, what were the other ones? I, I didn't see that. Yes, uh, Tyson's Food, BG, uh, Fresh Delmont, SDP, but mainly BG, Tyson Food. TSN and uh, ABM is the okay. other ticker. Yeah, so you you have kind of you have a lot of different types of names there. Uh, BG would be more uh, when it comes to fertilizer, and uh, Tyson Foods would be more about poultry and chicken. Uh, the van, what your MOO that is the Vanex Agri Agribusiness uh, ETF, and if you look at the holdings. Its top holding would be, which is interesting, which is Zoetis, which is a, a company that makes uh, drugs for for animals. Uh, so, you know, chickens and 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 cows and and the like. Uh, deer is next, which would be straight farming. IDX X, which is uh, similar when it comes to uh, injectables for uh, animals. Uh, Bayer, which would be Monsanto. Uh, that type of uh, company, Nutrient. So it's kind of all over the board when it comes to that ETF. You're not really getting a pure play there. So I'm not a big fan of that ETF as a whole. If I'm going to pick one, I would be going with like a BG, like a Bungie, 
um, when it comes to uh, seeds and grains and fertilizer. I think that is a better way to play uh, this trend over the uh, over that ETF. I like the pure plays companies that have history of cash flows, uh, dividends, profitability, and uh, BG is, is is definitely up there. So um, that's the way I would go uh, out of those handful that you kind of uh, talked about. Thanks for the call, Owen. Let's go to Jay in Cupertino. He wants to talk about his portfolio. Hi there. Hello. Yes. Hi, this is hi, this is Jay. Yes, can you hear me? Hello. Yeah, I can hear you. What can I help you with? Yeah, so I had a, a quick question. You know, I have put some money in uh, Zillow, uh, betting on the housing market recovery. And uh, my time frame is not too uh, too long, but uh, I'm just looking maybe one year, year and a half. And uh, I'm just thinking thoughts about it. I'm, I'm not positive in the position, but uh, should I hold on to it or should I just exit it and just? Uh, Maybe just a good ETF or something which may give me good exposure to housing recovery, housing boom. Uh, I I would go with something that's more broad, that's more focused on say home builders, and not necessarily uh, Zillow Group. Zillow Group is is pretty much priced to perfection at these levels. Very very expensive. Uh, in fact, it's uh, doing pretty poor over the past three months or so. It looked like it kind of had this blow off top peak and is trending poorly. So the technicals are weak, uh, the fundamentals are weak as well. Uh, this is, this is a, actually something I wanted to talk about a bit more about the housing market as a whole. And Zillow's definitely not a name that's going to benefit from the current economic, economic policy coming out of the highest levels of government in regards to mortgage and rent moratorium. And this is exactly why you're seeing the lumber prices go crazy. And this is the longer they let this go on, the worse the potential backlash or ramifications will be down the line. So what you have now is the market for existing real estate. Uh, supply is very tight because people are living in their homes, rent or mortgage free. When you do that, there's not a lot of incentive to move in any way, to sell your house, because you're kind of living high off the hog. So that's why you have less than two months nationwide of supply of existing homes. And what that means is the new supply of homes coming on the market are typically new homes. And the new home builders are loving this. They're fine with the lumber prices going crazy because they know they can just raise the price of their house. And that's really the crux of it. They'll pay more and more for the lumber because they know they can just raise that price and keep their margins. You've seen that with the recent earnings reports. Now what this is doing is it's now creating a artificially high demand for new homes. It is. And what happens, and this is exactly what happened in the early 2000s, is eventually the home builders just built way too many homes on top of the bad lending as well. But there was an oversupply. And suddenly home prices didn't go up anymore. And so the longer government keeps preventing renters from paying 
preventing mortgage holders from paying their mortgage, preventing an, uh, a demand or supply of existing homes to come on market to balance out the market, get somewhere in the neighborhood four or five percent, a normal market. No, sorry, not four or five percent, four or five months of supply on the market. That's kind of a normal market. We need to get back to that. Until then, the home builders are going to build and build and build and build and build. And potentially have a large oversupply of homes on the market. It's really what you're setting up here. The longer you hold back that supply, that natural supply of people that want to move, people that can't pay their mortgage, that can't pay their rent, all that will drive more housing supply. When you let off... We're, we're past, I wouldn't say we're past, we're more than halfway through this crisis, pandemic. You've got to get back to business at some point. And the longer they're going to really hold it back, it's, it's, it's really going to hurt the housing market in the long term. And that's why you see lumber prices going absolutely nuts. So, Zill Group, not the greatest to benefit from that space because supply is so limited. Thanks for the call. Now, 2021 is well underway, and we're almost through the month of April. It's pretty crazy. About a, almost a third through the year. And in the market, we are seeing the dynamic shift from growth to value. We've pretty much seen that since the fall of last year. And that brings me to worth taking a minute to make you aware of the benefits of working with myself and Steve Peasley at our company, KP Financial. Just like here on Stock, at KP Financial, we operate the philosophy of independent thinking and shared success, which means we provide unbiased guidance both on and off air, and we practice parallel investing, which means we invest right alongside our clients. So I encourage you to take advantage of our offer for a free portfolio review assessment via telephone, Skype, or go-to meetings. Or you can send us a message through investtalk.com or call our KPP financial offices in Irvine, California at 800-557-5461. No obligation. We'd love to talk and help you in any way. Next up, a caller question that came in earlier from North Carolina from 888-99-CHART. Our InvestTalk mission is to help you make better investing decisions. To do that on your own, thumbs up or thumbs down choices based on good, solid investing principles. But we need your questions to keep us on track. 888-99-CHART or click on Contact Steve or Contact Justin on investtalk.com. Hey, Justin and Steve, this is Darren in Charlotte, North Carolina. Hey, Justin, you've mentioned that property and casualty insurance companies are a good play when it looks like inflation is coming. And so I was just curious what you thought about Maiden Holdings. The ticket symbol is MHLD. Uh, appreciate your thoughts. Thanks so much. Bye. All right, this is Maiden Holdings. This is a reinsurer, it looks like. And very small company, about $300 billion market cap. 2018, they lost a lot of money. I'm not sure why that might have been. And no dividend. Business has been struggling. In March, or sorry, the first quarter of 2019, they had 240, sorry, 205 million dollars in sales. Last quarter, only 40 million in sales. So why? 
why is their business declining? Now, technically, uh, the chart broke out in November and it's been trending higher, but I really need to understand what's happening with their business. Why is, why is their revenue down so much? And if you look at the history of their profitability, it's all over the place. They it looks like they have a lot of debt in their balance sheet, financial leverage 22 times. This looks like a very, very complex business. Very, not very straightforward. Too small for my liking. I like the bigger names. I'm going to pass on this. It's just too. I, I don't understand really what's going on here. Uh, and so, unless I get clarity on that, why their business is shrank, uh, I, I wouldn't touch it um, without really getting into the details. Thanks for the call. And I like insurers, but I like the bigger insurers that are well diversified. This is uh, too small to be, uh, looks like that diversified. Uh, and history of the operation is too up and down. So, thanks for the call. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We have one goal here each and every weekday, and that's helped you achieve your own particular version of financial freedom. And we are heading into our final break. So, let's you get your questions in now at 888 99Chart. Invest Talk is all about above average investing for the average investor. And the question is during the market downturn, do dividends stay fairly steady? Um, I wanted to see if you thought that that was a safer place to park the money for long term. Just kind of wondering if this stock is a value trap. What's your question? You're the best person to ask it. 888 99 Chart. You are listening to Invest Talk. Every Friday on the program and the podcast, Steve Peasley shares highlights from the newest edition of the KPP Premium Newsletter. Listen Fridays to Invest Talk. And now, Steve and Justin welcome your calls and questions. 888 99 Chart. Hey guys, looking to get into the cannabis industry, and I know there's going to be some big winners in there, but I don't know enough about the company. So I was looking on the distributing side and came across Curlief, which is C-U-R-L-F. I uh, wondered what you thought about that company and what a good entry position might be for it. I appreciate it. Thanks. Right, this is Curaleaf Holdings, one of the OTC domestic cannabis names uh, headquartered in Massachusetts. And they do operate in 23 different states. But what's interesting about this space is that it's trending pretty poorly, even though you had the House pass a bill yesterday to allow the U.S. banking system to interact with these cannabis uh, producers. And it was passed 321 to 101 in the Senate. Uh, so that's a good thing. The issue here is that technically it's breaking down. And it's still pretty richly valued, market cap of about $9 billion, and it's trading at $13.05. To me, this looks like it's headed to about eight fifty dollars or so, eight seventy five, dollars somewhere in that range, which would be the 100-week moving average, the 618 retrace from the recent uh, uh, move, and the breakout area from October of last year. So that's where I think this is headed. That's where would be my purchase price, which is still, you're talking about... 40% down from here, even though it's already down 40% from its recent high. So I'd be patient on it, 
and that's where I would be picking it up. But it is definitely one of the better operators in the space. Let's head over to Anya in, ta- in Ohio, looking at IAT, which is the iShares Regional Banking ETF. Hi. Yes, I have a question. If it's a worthy ETF for long-term hold, and if it is, um, at what price would you buy it? And I also have the same question for another ticker, which is PSCF. PSCF. Okay. So one is the regional banks, and the other is the small cap financials. Certainly, IAT, the regional bank ETF, I like the regional banks over the big banks because of the too-big-to-fail rules and asset charges, and uh, those those large banks are just going to have trouble really growing uh, at a profitable rate because they need big deals. They, 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 they're not just going to do a bunch of these small um, investments and, and, and lending. They, 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 le- they want to lend billions and billions of dollars, and they, that means the ways to lend small amounts of money are uh, more profitable uh, and their balance sheets are less encumbered by regulation. And so if you're going to invest in banking, I definitely like the the regional banks over those big banks. So I like, and I would say if you're going to buy it, this is an environment to buy it with rising inflation, steeper yield curves, higher interest rates. That is an environment that's going to be typically good for the banks in general, especially those regional banks. So um, nothing wrong with the, the price here. The small cap financials, the PSCF ETF, or PSCF is the symbol, the Invesco S&P small cap financial ETF, that's going to have some regional banks like your community bank systems, Bank United, et cetera. But it also has some interesting players like REITs. One is actually a cannabis REIT. Its second largest holding is Innovative Industrial Properties, IAPR, and that's cannabis REIT. Pretty interesting. So you're going to get a little bit more diversification across various parts of the financial services business. Uh, and the, I think the values there are probably better. So I actually like that one better. I like the smaller cap. I like the broader diversification. And you're still getting a lot of very good regional banks. So it depends if you want a pure play or something that's a little broader on you. Um, but I like we are looking especially in relation to those larger cap banks. Appreciate the call. Well, I want to close. Actually, I think that's it. I'm going to leave that thought for tomorrow because it's going to take a little time to flesh out. Uh, So be sure to tune in tomorrow. I'm going to really dig into this market environment and how to think about it, how to think about it in this environment, but long-term, how to have the right mindset for investing in any market. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening, and we encourage you to tell your friends and family members about our free podcast downloads. We post a new program each weekday shortly after the end of our live stream, which includes at 5 p.m. Pacific time. So be sure to get your free downloads anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play, and as always, investtalk.com, and be sure to rate and review. You can browse by podcast topic, too. So you want to learn more about 401ks, for example, just read the episode titles until you find a topic of interest. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. 
Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461.